Why, hello and welcome. Welcome to the Peer Pressure Podcast. I am Diane, sometimes known as Diane Kamikaze, and I am your host. The reason why I do this podcast is because I like to say I am a champion of heavy music. I've always found my favorite songs since I was a young kid had riffs, hooks, were either metal, hardcore, hard rock, or punk, or something fairly aggressive in attitude and sound. And I am all about appreciating the people that keep that world going, whether they're musicians, webmasters, other podcasters, record label and festival owners. It's important to me to recognize what these people do in that realm of music. So I am here to bring them to you in a different context, more than a Wikipedia entry or a press release, a little more personal and a lot more fun. I'm a rocker for life, and I hope these episodes do make a difference. Send me feedback at diane at wfmu.org. And my Facebook page is Diane Kamikaze Farris, Rocker for Life. Like my page there, and I will keep everybody updated on podcast episodes in that space. Thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned. My guest today is Alan Dubin, vocalist for Gnaw, also known as vocalist for Old, Old Lady Drivers, Conate, and more. This show was originally aired on July 26, 2012, and he talks about having just recorded the new Gnaw record, which was Horrible Chamber. Um, that came out on Seventh Rule, and Naw played live on Brian Turner's show at the end of 2009. That's an easy look up on the WFMU site. And 2017 saw Naw release Cutting Pieces, which came out on Translation Loss. Alan is also in Second Rope, which is newer for him. And they are doing a collaboration LP with Mersbau. That'll be out soon in 2019. In our interview, he talks about 20SV. And that's a V like victory. I actually thought it was a B until I looked it up. Uh, he talks about doing vocals for that. So I'm going to put in the show notes on the playlist the link to Osman Arabi's Bandcamp. And that was called, that project is The Great Sonic Wave. And Noah actually has a new EP coming up. And since there's been, I mean, a lot has happened, obviously, since the interview, uh, Dana Schechter joined Naw. Dana from Insect Arc. And of course, I spoke to Dana in April of 2018. She is uh, featured on episode 71 of Peer Pressure. So moving right along, talking to Alan Dubin next. Stay tuned. Alan Dubin, are you there? Yo! Yeah, he is. He is. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Fantastic to have you here. So my guest is Alan Dubin, 
And uh, you're going to be taking over the airwaves here for the next hour and a half. Can you just catch the listeners up um, in terms of what you've got going on and a little bit about who you are? And then I'll, I'll poke some questions at you. I'm a little boy. Um, <laughs> currently, I am the vocalist in a band called Gnaw. Um, before that, I was in a band called Connie, and before that, I was in a band called Old, and before that, it was a band called Old Lady Drivers, and before that, I was dead. Yeah, so right now, Noah's working on our second album. We are in final mix mode. As soon as that's done, a giant label will release it. Really? I'm crossing my fingers. We have no idea. We didn't really, uh, shop it yet, so we're, <laughs> we're uh, finishing that up, and then, uh, We'll approach the labels. What's the writing process for Gnaw like? Um, well, it actually changed since our uh, first album. Our first album was um, the band members basically sent files back and forth, and it was built that way. It's basically a studio file transfers. On the first album, there was five of us. There was uh, Jamie Sykes, drummer who was also in Burning Witch and Thor's Hammer, and he's actually in a new band called Cruel Lord, which is really, really heavy doom, which is good, which everybody should check out. He lives down in Memphis, and he recorded a whole bunch of drums down there and just sent them up to us, and we kind of diced them together. Uh-huh. Carter Thornton, guitar player, bass player, builds his own instruments, another uh, wacky person. He created sounds, arranged stuff. Me too. Um, I created sounds, arranged some of the songs. Jun Mitsumachi, sound designer, um, he created a whole bunch of sounds and stuff, and just the files are just going back and forth, and we kept on building them. Brian Dietrich, our mixer and also guitar player and bass player, um, kind of assembled it all in his studio, and it took a long time, and, uh, that's how that album came together. This new one, a lot of it was formed in the more traditional way. We actually have more riffs on this album, <laughs> which is uh, a lot different than the first album, which is just pure noise for the most part. Um, there's a lot more structure to this album, although it's very varied, and um, there's, a, there's a lot of noise tracks on here, too. Um, I was going to say structure. Surprise. Do you play an instrument, Alan? I do play... A lot of instruments in the non-traditional way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't, you know, pick up a guitar and play a lead or anything. Sometimes I think of riffs in my head and I'll bring them to practice and I'll actually hum them and play this, you know? Oh, good. <laughs> it's well, actually pretty funny. Yeah, and I, um, and I was asking for sort of writing purposes. How do you write? And maybe you do just hum in practice. I actually do. and It's <laughs> ridiculous. We actually start laughing. You know, I'll, I'll you know, hum a riff, play air guitar as I'm doing it, everybody starts laughing, and then, That's you know, awesome. Brian or Carter will just try to hammer it out. You mean like this? And they'll actually play it. And I'm like, yeah, that's it, you know. And uh, sometimes songs are built that way, actually. Carter will come in with a whole song written out on paper, and it just looks like hieroglyphics, and we have to decipher that, which is kind of funny. I should uh, take some photos of, of his... Uh, you can put together some kind of uh, uh, time capsule. Yeah. <laughs> so how long did this uh, this new record take to put together since it was more sort of hands-on? Because you seem to say that the first one took a long time. Yeah, well, this one took a long time, too. 
let's see, we started about two and a half years ago with this one, mm. but uh, most of the songs now are uh, kind of recent. We were, we were really busy with work, you know, because I'm, I'm a video editor that takes a lot of time. Um, two of the other guys are uh, mixers and television and film, so I think for the past year we were just so busy and preoccupied with, with our other stuff that it, it just took a long time for this to get together. You know, now we're uh, we're ready with this album. We're already working on the, uh, the our third album, and this one isn't even done yet. Oh, cool. Um, we have shows going, so yeah, we're, we're back in the swing of things now. And I do want to just share with the listeners how long you and I have intended to have you come on the program, you know, and that's how busy he is, because I've, I've been in touch with you at, at least monthly for the last year. Like, you want to come on the show? You want to come on the show? No, I can't. I got to, you know, work and all that. So so thanks for making the, the time and finally coming on the program. Yeah, this is one of those rare weekdays where I'm actually, I can do it. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm surprised myself. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. You did say that you just sort of did a little run through on your, on your history. And uh, I wanted to ask you about um, the, the transition from old lady drivers to old. Was that just a name change or was, was that also because of another instances? Um, well, there was a lot that had, to, um, that went into that. Um, old lady drivers, you know, that was more of a fun kind of band we were just you know we were really really young and it it was kind of just like it wasn't a joke band it had a lot of comedic aspects to it we just wanted to be you know just vile vile snotty little kids which kind of that's what we were i think so i think that was (laughs) very successful yeah and uh then we had some problems with the earache just like every other band on earache since Mm -hmm. then with, uh, you know, money and stuff. I mean, we weren't doing it for money, but, you know, we're in high school and uh, getting a little money for our uh, endeavors would have been nice. But uh, we had some problems with our contracts and stuff, and I guess we were getting a little more open-minded music-wise. We were getting into more experimental music, and we kind of just reformed in a more serious manner, I would say. And... Mm -hmm. uh, more experimental and decided to get serious. So Old was more of a, a serious professional band, whereas Old Lady Drivers is just a furious, hardcore, crazy, you know, for fun kind of thing. And then, you know, we made the wonderful mistake of, I don't know if it was a mistake, but for whatever reason, uh, we went back with Eric again. <laughs> we got loads of support from them, and that's what happened. And what was that like for somebody in high school to have had, I mean, you had things out on like the Grind Crusher comp with like the, you know, and actually that the the uh, the old lady driver's cut on that was probably one of my favorite tracks on there. And you were on there with some real heavyweights and some just such extreme bands, not that you weren't, but coming from a point of view of being in high school and, and having that and, and I guess sort of being surrounded by that, that kind of... Um, uh, music or, or those were like your cohorts. What was that like? Did that strike you as being like really cool or? Oh yeah, it was really cool. I mean, you know, we were like really into Napalm Death and Godflesh and all that stuff. So just to be considered as peers, so to speak. I mean, I mean that was amazing. You know, I was just you know a tape trader into collecting music, and I, I was a big fan, and so was James, and uh, it, it was it was great. There weren't a lot of people around here 
were yeah. actually into that music. So, I mean, basically all, any kind of reactions or praise or just anything came from letters and fanzines. It was a different time back then. Oh, <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you go to, like, algebra class or whatever. Exactly. People are going, like, you're the craziest, and, you know, someone's yelling at you to do your homework or something. Just, <laughs> right. Well, it just seems like a really interesting juxtaposition in terms of what was going on in, in the musical world and your position in it and then your age. Right, right. And Jim was a few years younger than me. I mean, he, I don't know, what he was, like, 15 playing, you know, those guitar tracks, like on that colostomy grab bag song, that's amazing. Yeah. You know? Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then just from that album to the next one, I mean, it's just crazy how advanced it, it ended up getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, the first time that I met you, which I was, I think, when you were with Conate, I did not know your background, and I was, and for like a minute there, whoever told me, or if you told me that you were in old, I just had to like stop, like wow, really? That guy is right there? Like, oh, you know, because, you know, the period of time, like the whole, I'm going to just call it the grind crusher era, so people, you know, so I don't have to keep on repeating myself, but that was really, you know, that comp and everything that was on there and all those bands just kind of exploding onto the scene in their own way, but that was the extreme dream. Yeah, those were great times, Mm. definitely. And what's your experience now, I mean, in terms of music and, and what you see out there? I mean, you are still making music, and you, and you have been continually. In terms of, you know, bands, I don't, I don't know. I guess you did say you're shopping for a label. But, but um, how is the atmosphere in music now in terms of being, you know, being in a band and the things that you do to get your music out there? Oh, my God. Well, just to talk about playing live, I mean, to me, it seems... Lately, the past couple of years, New York is and the East Coast is just um, really, really lame. There's way too many bands and not enough bands. It's ridiculous. You can, it's just hit or miss. You could play a show, there'll be, you know, two, three hundred people there. The next day, there'll be 15 people. It's just, there's, there's just way too many bands now. I assume it's just because of uh, the whole Pro Tools laptop situation. Labels are disappearing. There's not enough people to buy music. Everyone just downloads everything. What else can I whine about? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, just do the music because you love it. And uh, if it happens, if it happens, just do it for yourself. If it doesn't, whatever. People can go screw. <laughs> I love to say that. I could say that. Yes, you can say that. You know, I have a, quis- a question from a listener. They want to know, uh, one, does your mother listen to your music? No, but when I force her to hear a track... She'll say that's horrible. Oh, okay. What are you doing? In a funny way. No. Yeah. Well, it, my mother's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. She won't listen to it mm-hmm. <laughs> and enjoy it, but you know, she likes it. But she knows that in some way you are revered for what you do vocally, even if she doesn't oh, like yeah. it. She's got to yeah, get yeah, yeah. that that you've been doing that for for so long, and you do really have one of the most deranged sounding vocal approaches ever. How did you actually Thank come? You. <laughs> How, how did you actually figure out that that was, um, like, what came first? Like, the the sort of the theatrics or the vocal delivery or, like, anger or trying to frighten people? It probably just came when I was younger, and 
I was one of those, you know, I started getting into this music really, really young. Well, this music, meaning just any kind of extreme music. And since I was so young getting into all that, the heavy stuff, I was one of those, I guess you would call it juvenile. I had, I had it in mind to be in the fastest, sickest, most brutal, scary thing ever, you know. And I was in a few bands actually before Old Lady Drivers, but Old Lady Drivers, I guess we just wanted to be like really, really fast, and which we were. I don't know. I think it was it was that band where I developed my uh, kind of like higher pitched throat shreds, as I like to call it. And still to this day, I think I uh, I use my throat and just like my head rather than my lungs and diaphragm like other vocalists for for screaming, um, which will probably kill me one day. I'll probably have an aneurysm. <laughs> Maybe we'll sell some records, you know, after I. Uh, it always happens. I have an aneurysm on stage, you know, but uh, like I said, I use my throat and my head. Sometimes I look, I don't pass out and hit the ground, but uh, everything goes black sometimes if I scream a little too hard, which it actually happens a lot. Wow. Wow. Well, th- thank you for putting yourself in danger. That's, yeah. Uh, you know. It's all for the fan. Yeah. Tough the, fan. Did, did you say fan? Yeah, I thought you did. Tough fan. <laughs> no, I've no, but you know, it is. It is actually obvious that a lot of thought has gone into like your vocal presentation. You're not just a guy there screaming, especially in your recorded stuff. I can really hear like different vocal nuances when the music is changing. It's not you're not just standing there like just freaking out. Yeah, yeah. It, it, a lot of it is is the delivery, and I do think a lot about the delivery. When I'm actually even writing lyrics, I hear, you know, my delivery in my head, how I'm going to do it, on which words to enunciate. It actually backs up the lyrics, I I think. For sure. Do you have conversations with the singer? Like, you go like, I think you should do it this way, and somebody goes, I think you should do it that way. (laughs) If I don't take my medicine, sometimes it happens, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But, uh, well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I, I am just in awe of what you do because because you are, you know, really one of the best vocalists and most creative out there. So it's 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 amazing when you really listen to those records and you hear what's going on and you can just tell that it is really changing with the music and it is and it is super well thought out. So, well, thank you. Um, Appreciate that. Yeah. Well, some of us know yeah. Do you have any um, exercises like that you do vocally before a show? Never. Once in a while, I'll just build out a scream or something, you know. Um, I usually uh, like to make sure that the mic is working, do a quick line check, so I'll scream. Everybody laughs for a second. Mm-hmm. They're startled because they're still drinking their drinks or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, I don't do any exercises or anything. I don't do push-ups. I don't gargle. I don't uh, do any opera. <laughs> and, and opera yelps. And how was your voice after a gig? Um, if I do a couple shows in a row, my talking voice kind of dissipates. You know, mm. get a little bit of the laryngitis going. My talking voice, but uh, my screaming voice just gets thicker and beefier and sicker. I think so. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I'm really not in too much pain because I've been doing it so long. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All the vocal nodes are. Uh, Nice and uh, protective <laughs> of my throat flesh. Hmm. Is um when you get so a listener has just written when you get a song stuck in your head is it like normal stuff like Fleetwood Mac or you know whatever or is it 
because you have such an such an extreme background from such a young age? Is it something? I like think I have a mild form of Tourette's. Whatever the last thing I hear just loops in my head forever. You know, it, it, which is really weird because if I'm working on a commercial. TV oh, no. commercial. I'm, I'm a video editor, by the way. I work on TV commercials and shows and stuff. Yeah. And if there's a jingle that I'm working on and I just hear it a couple times while I'm editing, that's just, I'm like, it's a nightmare for me. I can't go to sleep. I'll have to, like, play another song or that, you know, silly tune is stuck in my head oh, forever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wanted to uh, commend you on the job that you did. I know that you did the editing for the All Ages, the Boston hardcore movie. I got to see, actually, at the, the New York... Um, I guess at the premiere in Brooklyn. Ah, uh, yeah, that's my that's my cousin uh, Drew Stone's film. I didn't do a lot of editing on that. I did some color correction. I did some editing. I fixed some edits that needed some help, maybe. I just made it look as as good as possible, and you know, did some minor editing on that. Drew did most of the editing on, oh, on that one. You know, I mean, the music is so fast and so choppy in certain ways that that a lot of in a lot of sections of the film, the um, the edits really made it so. I think I, I was just going to say it's very informative for me. I mean, that, you know, I found that movie really interesting. Yeah, yeah, me I too. Want to learn about the Boston hardcore scene in the early days and hear from the people themselves. Good, good flick for info for sure. Speaking of music, you are here to be a guest DJ, and yeah. uh, I'd like to start getting into that if we may. Um, what's the first thing you wanted to play for the listeners? I want to hear that Missing Foundation tune. And uh, what do you want to say about Missing Foundation? I'm going to say that that was one of the first bands that actually scared the hell out of me mm. when I was a, a little kid. You know, I was mostly into, you know, I was into hardcore, and I was mostly, you know, I was really mostly into metal, but, you know, I would go to, like, CBGBs and see some hardcore shows. I used to see AOD and New York City uh, Damage and that kind of thing, but I had a few chances to see uh, Missing Foundation. I was actually too scared to go. I heard stories, you know, <laughs> I think it's it, it's folklore, and it just, you know, it was a telephone game at that point, but I heard stories of them throwing cinder blocks into the crowd, lighting stuff on fire. Well, they actually did light stuff on fire. They actually lit CBG on fire mm-hmm. at one point. Maybe you know better yeah. than me. I don't know if you know anything about them. Yeah, I saw them quite a bit, actually. And uh, yeah. I, I was really, really excited to see they were the first band on your playlist because they're just sort of... I don't know if they missed the boat or were just ahead of their time or, you know, what what was going on, but um, they sort of seemed to be like a band that sort of burned brightly and, and, uh, and disappeared, and they don't really get the sort of the props nowadays. Right, and, and this this tune is just amazing. It, this is just ferocious, over-the-top, heavy, and like I said, they scared the hell out of me. And I just like to think of them that way. I don't want to know any, you know, if it's, not true. I heard they were anarchists and they don't care. <laughs> F the law, throw cinder blocks at people. Love it. I awesome. think so. so uh, awesome noise, industrial, Lower East Side, destroy. Indeed. <laughs> cool. So the next song we're going to hear is uh, Burn Trees from Missing Foundation. My guest and guest DJ is uh, Alan Dubin. Please stay tuned. <laughs>
And we are back with Alan Dubin. Hey, Alan. Yo. <laughs> a little reaction there from that ID. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, that was a pretty great little station ID from Alan a little while a little while back. So let's talk about what you just played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was it? It was Missing Foundation. Like I uh-huh. said, pretty much one of the only bands that ever scared me. Besides Merciful Fate, that was another one. Where I was a little, little lad. Got Did the first Merciful Fate album. Satan, Satan. Come was scary pray to back Satan then. with me. Before he turned into Ronald McDonald. Yeah. What else did we listen to? Say Kreutzen. Uh, Kreutzen, yeah. Kreutzen. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. What a fantastic band. Uh, and Kabinsky's vocals, man, had a major impact on on my style. That first album was just over-the-top vocal shredding. Loved it. Oh, my God. And then um, I kind of forgot about that band for a few years after that. Um, October File came out. I bought it. I remember I didn't give much thought to it. I think James Plotkin actually was hanging out with him. He, I think he had it on cassette. You know, he's like, do you like this band? They quote him like, I love them. Great hardcore band. Amazing. And we were just, we started listening uh, to October File and Wow. Amazed. Yeah, not a not a hardcore record, but an unbelievable you know. It's it's its own thing for sure. Yeah. You know, they went from raging hardcore to its to their own I don't even know what it is, rock song of some sort. <laughs> Hard to describe, but uh that, that may be Voiva they... definitely owes them a lot. Oh yeah. I like all incarnations of the because they, they changed quite a bit over their lifespan. Mm-hmm. And thank you for playing to Kreutzen. Alan is playing like some of my personal favorite music today. I'm like, yay. And then uh, and then the last thing in that set was Slab. Slab. They're another one of those bands, much like, like Kreutzen, um, that just should have been giant. So good. Oh, my God. I've been into them for, for decades as well, and just, they still hold up. They're probably my all-time favorite music entity. Wow, really? I would say, yeah. Where are they from? They are from England. Um, two of the members are actually, I think, still recording under the moniker of Slab, and that's uh, Steve uh, Dre, the vocalist, mm-hmm. and uh, Paul Jarvis, who's one of the guitar players. They're, they're, uh, I think they actually have some new recordings com- coming out. Slab, in their heyday, they were on Ink Records, which was the same label as Severed Heads. They went through a lot of lineup changes, but they were just just overwhelmingly heavy. They took equal parts of Swans, and um, just they even had some funk thrown in there. It's just, just incredible, incredible musicians, incredible. Like they did some crazy stuff in the studio too with samples, just amazing. Everybody, check it out. Check Lab with an exclamation point. Alan says so. And we have a question from one of the listeners. They want to know what your uh, obsession or, or uh, preoccupation with teeth is. And I would say that I probably noticed that too. References and titles and, you know, gnaw and, and uh, other things you've been involved in. Is, is that a coincidence? I think it's a coincidence. Okay. All right. All right. And what's your favorite um, piece of construction equipment? Construction equipment? Yeah, construction equipment, just, I guess, mm. on the noise level. I would say a jackhammer. Ah. The mm. girls like jackhammers. 
many uses for jackhammers. Sure. In in recording. Yes. For sure. Yes, yes, yes. So so what do we have um next in the list? Actually, do you have the list with you or 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 shall I? I let me see what's in my list. I have it. Please hold. <laughs> oh, thank you for playing uh, the background music for us. Death. Got a little septic death for you. Oh. Another, uh, that's another band I was obsessed with back in the day. Um, I actually had my room postered with septic death from the... Oh, the puss septic head. Death, that, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Puss head at the helm. Um, this song, Burial, is, is really dirty. Love it. And uh, um, that was a great time for music also and for art you know, with music. I mean, the Pussheads, I remember just Pussheads' illustrations were so pure and real and obviously from someone's hand, not a, um, not not mechanically done at any time, but I just was so amazed at how visceral he could get with like a black and white sketch. Absolutely. All yeah. those skulls and just really the intricacies of, of what he did with art amazing yeah yeah because having yeah. grown up and seen like the metal world and all the really dumb skulls it's like <laughs> it's like it's like wow like those aren't dumb skulls those are like mean decaying flesh hanging off of and uh yeah. that's one of the things that i really i saw the art before i heard the music me too that's i mean i picked yeah. up the cleanse the bacteria comp that septic death was on before mm-hmm. i got the uh that that album now that I have your attention. Yeah, there was some great stuff in there. It was attitude adjustment, uh, or attitude at the time. I think some other stuff on there. Amazed Siege was on there, mm-hmm. which that's a, that's another tune I'll be playing. And Walls by Siege. Yeah, but that Septic Death. Oh my God, there was, I was obsessed with that band for years and years. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah, I think um, Coc had something on there in Crude Assessment. Oh yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was that was a great comp. I got two computers here, and they're they're beeping at me. Um, so we're gonna mash hear. Hmm? Mash it. <laughs> I'm going to mash. Well, don't it. don't smash it. No. I want to hear some music. No, but yeah, we'll smash it later. We'll have a different yeah. kind of smashing thing going on. And my guest is Alan Dubin, and um, we're gonna hear from uh, some septic death, which is his choice, and we'll be back in a little bit.
Returned, Alan Dubin. Right here. Yes, he hasn't gone yeah. anywhere, and he has been uh, giving us a great, great uh, set list. Let's talk about some of the stuff that you just played. Stuff to death. Yeah, that's like I said. I was obsessed with that band for a few years. Still love it. Uh, I was in the mood to listen to it. I've been busted that out in a while. Nice, thank you. Real, really dirty, dirty stuff. <laughs> um, Cryptic Slaughter. Wow. I first got into them uh, in my tape trading days. I remember getting their demo, uh, I think it was called Life in Grave, Life in a Grave demo. Mm. Just over the top speed. That's, you know, I was in that, like I said, that phase where I wanted craving the, the fastest, most brutal thing ever, and that was just so over the top. They were right up there with, you know, Napalm Death as far as speed and New York City mayhem, that kind of thing. Just love it. That combined with the, with the vocals, raging. Oh, yeah. Oh, the accused. Blaine. That's, yeah. Those vocals are just so over the top. 
he's one of the reasons why I wanted to become a vocalist. So very, very huge influence on me. So there was that the vocal inspiration. And when did you start actually singing? What year was that? Le- or, or, or let's say focusing your style to be in in a way like some of these bands here that we're hearing that are obvious, uh, inspiring you. <laughs> I was in a band called, this is pre-Old Lady Drivers, I was in a band called Vile Stench. Ooh. And Delicious. Yeah, Vile Stench. We're all uh, New Jersey people. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the members, uh, his name was Tom Stevens, is, is in a band called Nocturnal, and he was in a band called Savage Death, and they were kind of legendary in the tape trading circle back in the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he moved to Texas. He's in this band called Nocturnal, who are really, really good. You should check it out. Ferocious kind of speed metal. Yeah, back then, that was just one of those, another one of those bands that I was in, trying to be, you know, the most brutal, fastest, sickest band. You know, little kid, like I said, totally into all that stuff. I guess I wasn't so well versed in playing guitar or drums, so I figured, why not, you know, start screaming like uh, some of these bands that, you know, I, I just couldn't believe the vocals coming out of them. So I tried to emulate them and uh, just came up with my own thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. After the accused, accused with all uh, Jeff Gaither's graphics, right? With what? Jeff Gaither's graphics. Uh, um, I think all the accused albums. Oh my God! Yeah, those album covers. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The the Pusshead stuff was really very um, was subtle in some ways, but like the accused record covers, which is yeah, not subtle at all. It, It had a like comic book feel to it in a way as mm-hmm. well, which I kind of dug. Oh yeah, and they and then they were sort of like audio comics in terms of just just how fast and the assault of the band and all those just like ah like you know they were they were kind of I could see them being like that being that cartoonish. <laughs> oh my god! I just went to the uh, the playlist page and you got my sexy picture. The, uh, with the watch. That's awesome. Oh, with the watch, yeah. Hey, lady. Yeah. He's got a watch on there. Oh, like you, I'm eating come. the microphone. I think mm-hmm. that was uh, from a show up in Boston. You are a watch guy now that I see, now that I've got, that I've got these pictures up of you. You are a watch guy. So do you... Um, no, I, I ditched the watch. I haven't had one in a few years. That, that one's picture's really? a little old, but yeah. Wow. We, we need some uh, some recent photos of you up here then, Alan. That's all yeah, I can well, find. Yeah, you got one that... That new one I see at the bottom, that's sort of recent. Oh, but isn't that a watch? More recent. Oh, there's a watch there, isn't there? Yeah. What? Foot in mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's talk about Siege just a little bit, too. Yes, let's talk about Siege. Well, well I first heard of Siege on that, uh, that Cleanse the Bacteria comp also. Mm. And it's really the vocals that got me. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Throat shredding. Yeah, just another incredible band. Um, I definitely took some cues from them as far as my voice, you know, um, at least in the beginning. And they're from, like, the to, uh, Boston area, yeah. right? What is that? They're from, like, the Boston area, I think? Boston area. Mm-hmm. I think it was around 84 where, when, you know, they were doing their, their good stuff. That comp is great, the Drop Dead album reissue. Yes. Is yes. Amazing. Yeah, every, every song is a classic. 
So Alan Dubin is my uh, my guest here, and we are WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, WFMU.org, and he is schooling. I mean, any of you who don't have a background of, you know, like the the early, the, sort of the the thrash, hardcore combinations with completely over the top vocals, this is a primer, you know. Um, and actually, you know, you're playing a lot of a lot of really interesting stuff too. That's not that that can't be as pigeonholed but you know this is a list for people to just like take and learn so thank you for the lessons oh, you're um, welcome. what do you have coming up um for yourself personally um i know that you said that gnaw is in the middle of recording or well gnaw is actually we are done with this this second album we're uh just mixing right now and, and the mixes are actually almost done um so we were actually in the studio last night you know doing some mixing um so that's almost done we're working on new tunes because we don't want to stop we don't want another three years to go by so we're working on new tunes for our third album even though the second one isn't done yet Mm -hmm. um actually later on today i'm recording some vocals for a nadja tune oh really um yeah nice um you know because he has to record with everybody in the world so why not me? <laughs> but it's, it's it's hardcore song. It's this really weird hardcore song, and uh, he actually sent uh, Aiden Baker sent me the lyrics. So I'm gonna just build out some uh, streamage for a hardcore Naja tune. Oh great! And uh, another project I'm really excited about is this band called Twenty SV Twenty Dot SV, which mm. is this um, helmed by Osman Arabi, better known as Zardis from uh, Lebanon, and it's just this sickening noise project. Um, he has a few albums out under that moniker, mm-hmm. and he asked me to lay down some vocals for for this album, and I'm just really psyched to unleash hell on that. Oh, cool. And, and SV. Uh, just look it up. And I hope that we get to hear some of that when it is... Uh, I, I would have played some 20 SV, but, you know, most of... Um, his recordings, Osman Arabi's recordings, are you know close to thirty minutes long, and I it's just huh. it wouldn't do it justice to play an excerpt of it. Right. Yes. Yes. Mind-bending noise terrorism. <laughs> and are there any um, any local bands that that you're behind in terms of what they're doing? Any anybody in the area that's new that you would like to uh, to sort of trumpet the. Uh, the talents of? Uh, let me see. Well, not new, but reborn is uh, controlled bleeding. Their their new stuff's amazing. Doesn't sound like they're you know older industrial kind of stuff. It's just a, I consider it a, a new band, and you know they're doing shows. They have some new recordings out, and uh, I'd like to toot their their horn. Good. Check it out. Cool. They are back. I mean, out of all the things that you've done, could could you name what you're most proud of musically? No, um, it's it's always the the latest thing for me, right? So this new Naw stuff, I think I'm the most proud of oh, right good. now. Good. Yeah. So there's there's no looking back and sort of going, oh, the the good old days are. Oh, I I do that too. I bust mm-hmm. out the old stuff. Do you listen to your own stuff? Every once in a while, you know, not You're regularly, but I do this music just because I like to think I'm in my favorite band. I make the music for myself, 
for the most part. Yeah, I listen to it and enjoy it. Sometimes I listen to it and cringe, you know, think, what have I done? <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> D- does, but, your, uh, does your own music ever scare you? No, 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 no. My own music is never scary enough. Uh-huh. It's just impossible. I always want it to be, you know, if I'm in that mode where I want it to be harsh, noisy, scary, mm-hmm. it's just never enough. It just, it just. So then when do you stop? I mean, if you're recording. You don't. Well, but then at one point, at what point do you say it is good enough or it is, this is enough to commit to, to recording? The Days point there. where you just can't get more extreme or change it for the better. So you just have to stop and mm-hmm. present it. And this is it. If you were doing solo work, it sounds like that's like a conversation that you have with everybody in the band. Like, all right, I guess that that's it. I'd like it a little more, you know, whatever. But if you were Oh, doing yeah, and we, we all do that in NAW, you know. Right. I want this, I want that, we're done. No, we're not done. <laughs> let me add this, let me create that. Mm-hmm. And all of us just are always just adding more stuff. But And that's from having that many creative people and that many talented people together, and then you feed off each other, most yeah, likely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's cool. That's a really, that's a great space to be able to be in when you're putting things together. And I, I would imagine that this record... Yeah, and you said it's more riffy, or at least has more... Some of it. It has more structure. This this album's very varied. Mm Mm-hmm. Very varied. Mm Mm-hmm. Very, very, very varied. Very, very varied. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, well, I'm really looking forward to it, because if you are all in the room together, something different happens if you're sending tracks to each other. Absolutely. And also in the fold now, we have Eric Noiser on drums. Oh, yes, uh, you do. Jamie Sykes is down in Memphis, and it just, you know, logistically, it just wasn't working out. So he has, you know, Jamie's on this album a little bit here and there. He's on a few tracks, but Mm -hmm. Eric Noiser is, you know, our our official drummer, and, you know, he's amazing. Even just last night, you know, in, in the studio, we're listening to one of our songs, Nick sing, you know, stuff, and he brought in his samplers and made some noise and added noise. So now there's just all of us creating our own elements and noise, and we actually practice and um, create songs in a rehearsal studio in a live situation, which was not really happening on our first album. Like right. I said, that was all, you know, yeah. file-based and studio manipulation, which was awesome and, you know, had its own feeling. This is a combination of both, but more of like a live, true <laughs> mm. band, I, I, I would say. Yeah, that's, that's cool. It sound, I mean, it sounds like it's a different experience altogether for you. Yeah. Then. But, you know, there's a lot of truly psychotic stuff on, on this album. And, uh, we wouldn't want to leave song, that out. The song I'll be playing later is just probably the most dirty, dismal thing I've been a part of in a long time. Oh, you know? good. Not in a carnate doom way, but just, well, maybe a little bit, but it's just so dirty and dismal. I'm just psyched, you know, for you to play it. Oh, It'll probably be the last thing to well, play, I would think, but. Well, so let's um, let's get back to the playlist, and because uh, we uh, we could talk about dismal and doomy and her- horrific and menacing and hazardous stuff forever, um, but let's play some more for the listeners. Um, are you involved in this next song, this Shadowcast song? Is that what you're playing next, Shadowcast? Yeah. Uh huh. Yes, uh, Shadowcast was this was pre Connie. It's a uh, it was a project with. Uh, Jason Corley on drums, who's in that band 16. 
Nice. Uh, Plotkin, James Plotkin, mm-hmm. who you should know from yes. Con 8 and everything else that he's done. He was an old and just tons and tons of stuff. He was in Scorn for a while. And myself. It started off as a project between Plotkin and, and Jason. I guess they were pen pals, email buddies, whatever. And they hung out, did some recording. Jim is over my house in Hoboken just hanging out. I was, uh, that's when I started getting into a lot of like the doom metal kind of stuff. Probably like 99 or 2000. I was really into Burning Witch, so I was letting him hear some of the, you know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, he said, hey, I'm doing some stuff with this guy, uh, Jason. You want to do some vocals? I'm like, yeah, why not? It'll be fun. So I think when you hear this song, you'll, if you're familiar with Con 8 and any of, uh, James stuff like Adam Smasher and Phantom Smasher, he was doing a lot of, uh, glitchy computer noise, uh, manipulation kind of stuff. You could kind of hear a bridge between, between that stuff and, and Con 8. Very, well, you'll see. Okay. <laughs> well, and you, and you said that. Pretty uh, grim, grim track. Grim, but you and, said the uh, vocals would be fun. Yeah, yeah, the vocals are are uh, fun for you. Pretty, pretty rad on this one. Nice, <laughs> awesome. Oh, good. So let's hear that. My guest is Alan Dubin of uh, Naw. Most recently, and this is this is the debut. This has never been played anywhere. It's oh, really? Devil. Really? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. So hang on. Let's get. I don't have a drum here, but but so this is the uh, the worldwide debut of uh, Nest Perimeter by Shadowcast. My um, my guest is Alan Dubin, and we shall return shortly.
We have returned. Alan Dubin is at the helm. Hello. Hello. He is there. Wow. So uh, a pretty awesome set list there. Uh, A pretty awesome set, actually. So we just heard from Shadowcast that uh, those of you who are reading along on the computer, so there's no photo of Shadowcast, and that's kind of a pre-conate combo. And then we went to Old Later Lady Drivers, the 56-second supermarket monstrosity. And what would you yes. like to say about that? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was, uh, that was from our first album, the Old Lady Drivers album. That's when I guess I started messing about with uh, vocal effects. And oh, that wow. was just a pitch shifter. I don't know whose it was, if it was mine, because I, I remember during that time period, I went out and started to buy all these like effects and delay units and stuff that... Could have been anything. Could have been Jim's laying around, or uh, Ralph Pimentel, who's, who was the drummer at the time. I remember just uh, when we used to rehearse that song in rehearsal in uh, Ralph's basement in Paramus, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember hooking up the pitch shifter and just blasting through this big, you know, guitar cabinet. That's where they used to do vocals through, mm-hmm. and it was just hilarious. I, I loved it. It sounded um, hilarious on this side as well. Yeah. Yeah. And and people always ask me about that song. So yeah, it was a it was a pitch shifter, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I used to be able to do those high pitched screams back then, that was that was just a pitch shifter. It was kind of you know funny tune. Um, and then what was after that? Old. Oh, Who yeah. are you? Yeah. And that was on a Black Sabbath comp. Um, I haven't heard that in a in a while, so kind of wanted to it's a great blast version. it out there. I think yeah. a lot of people haven't heard that. Um, yeah. That is a great version. What do I remember? Yeah, some interesting stuff about that. In the studio, Jim played all the drums. It was a drum machine, but he played with his fingers. He played live drums the whole tune with his fingers. Wow. That was amazing to watch. One, <laughs> I think it was one take. Eh, he might have went back and did a few things, but that, that, that was incredible to do. And uh, for my vocals, I remember I just wanted an interesting um, distortion on the vocal, so... I remember looking around uh, the uh, recording studio for whatever amps he had lying around, and I just found this little combo amp, and we basically just mic'd up the combo amp and went direct into the board through a mic. Mm. So that that's, you know, it's not like a distortion plug-in. That was before all the, you know, computerized plug-ins kind of deal. Oh, yeah. yeah the, the, the term plug-in has redefined itself. Exactly. Over years, yep. yeah. Do you have any... Um, pieces of equipment that you always sort of go to when you're recording or you still really do a lot of not when i'm recording but uh for live i mean i still have my original delay from the old lady drivers day oh nice um yeah digitech time machine time delay Mm. they don't make them anymore (laughs) for decades yeah i actually have two of them but i have the original one i still use that uh, during live gigs for, for loops and, and delay. Um, I like to change up my effects all the time. Every six months, every year, I, I have a closet full of effects that I uh, rotate. Oh, cool. Hmm. That's great. And that's cool that after this long, you just don't sort of go to one piece of equipment and that's that. You know, 
it's nice yeah. that you're always um, changing for, things For Conate, I remember um, I have this Joe Meek compression unit that I used for vocals. It made it really sparkly. I think I used that for all of the Conate albums, but I haven't used that in uh, another uh, piece of equipment that, that, that I've reused. Well, you are full of surprises, Alan, and uh, I want to really thank you for appearing on the show and uh, and bringing Thanks what, what you me. brought. I know we have one more track to go, but and I, and I just really want to thank you for your legendary shrieking and and keeping that I just being really very consistent with the quality of what you've chosen to put out over time and that even reflects in your playlist because the playlist that you know the the comments board is just lit up with compliments and thank yous of like playing some really really awesome stuff so uh, thank you and thanks everybody out there mom <laughs> or whoever's commenting thanks yeah so um what's the last thing that we're going to hear the last thing you're going to hear is a new Nautune. um and like i said our new album is very all over the place varied and in sound but this is one of our dirty numbers this will make you feel ill bring you down after all this happiness of this uh, show today, I want to bring everybody down. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this song is called This Horrible Chamber. It's pretty long. There was a few little curse words that we had to edit out of the, the tune. Just well, for thank the show. you for doing that. Yeah, you're very welcome, which doesn't really affect it too much. So. Awesome. This is an epic piece, 12 minutes long. Hold your children close. <laughs> yeah, now is the, now is the time to hold on to that stuffed animal, folks. I did actually sort of. Uh, oh yeah, no. Somebody wanted to know if your if your uh, does your cat hate you? Well, my cat is dead. Oh. Uh, yeah, so it doesn't really you know growl at me or anything. Oh. It's there. <laughs> well, I think when I put up the uh, Facebook event, I was referring to how ferocious your set list was, and somebody said like oh grab the kitten well we have to grab our kittens and to sort of put yourself into a nice place after listening to what what you've presented so uh, yeah. yeah well like i said i think this this song this horrible chamber is pretty much the uh the most dismal thing i've worked on in a in a long time and i'm happy to be a part of it and present it <laughs> the debut so that's what he says to all of us have a horrible day thanks for having me on <laughs> Now go exactly. out and go out and yeah, slit your. And I leave you with this. <laughs> awesome. So thank you, Alan. Um, thanks for for being here. We'll look for. Do you have any date on the uh, the Naja um, recording that you're working on with them? No, I think that that's just for. It's uh, like a double seven inch he's doing with a bunch of different vocalists, and oh, he good. asked me if I wanted to be a part of it. He mm-hmm. sent me this track. It's just twisted hardcore, and and I'm like, yeah, I'll do something crazy on that good so yeah so no no date on that so we'll look for that and, and the we'll uh and the 20 uh sd i'm not sure when that's going to be out um okay but i'm excited to uh do some vocals for that do stay in touch with us so that we know when it does come out and uh it's great to know that there's a new gnaw record on it on its way in the in the birthing process so thanks for uh for dedicating your afternoon to this and uh thank you what i have up next is uh this horrible chamber from Gnaw, and uh, stay tuned, folks.
And that concludes another podcast episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. More on the way. I am Diane Kamikaze. Check my Twitter and my Instagram. Handle is one word, Diane Kamikaze. Kamikaze ends with an E. On Facebook, you can find me as Diane Kamikaze Farris, Rocker for Life and Making a Difference. The full link to my uh, index of shows and podcasts is can be found on wfmu.org slash playlists slash DK. Those are, that's a capital D and a capital K. I'm going to be working on encore presentations, and I've got years of interviews and podcasts. So if there's something that you'd like to see reposted that you missed, please get in touch. Send me email, diane at wfmu.org. And be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you like it, please rate it and review it. Wow. WFMU. Peer pressure. Thank you. See you next time.